You're listening to the Evolution Exchange NHS podcast. We shine a light on the topics that matter to digital and data leaders within the NHS. I am Caitlin Knox and I help connect digital leaders with interim talent in the NHS and I am your host. The views expressed by guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect the official position or policy of their organisation. Well, uh, welcome everyone to today's podcast focusing on digital transformation within the NHS. Thank you all for taking the time to join me today. It's much appreciated as I know you're all extremely busy. However, you're all here for a reason to shed light on what's happening in your trusts and to talk proudly about the projects you're all a part of. Part of. Um, and the outcome is always to improve patient care, which is just simply incredible. So um, first, let's go around um, the room and do introductions. If you could just please say your name, the trust that you work with, and a little bit about your role, that would be great. So Farouk, we'll come to you first, please. So hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Farouk. I'm the integration architect at St. George's Hospital. Um, currently, I'm involved in multiple projects uh, with merger of Epsom and St. Helia as well within St. George's and um, RBAC security and and there's a lot you know it's it's a trade of uh, many many hats so it's um, more of an overall perspective domain planning um, digital transformation and how we can sort of progress uh, especially with mergers and um, the current operating model so yeah brilliant thanks very much and Alison yourself um, yes, um, I'm a senior program manager um, and um, I, I work both both within the digital space and uh, within transformation and strategic change um, outside of the digital space, though nothing's ever truly outside of the digital space, it has to be said. Um, I currently work at Cardiff and Vale um, University's uh, health board, um, obviously in Wales. Um, they've got a... Um, uh, a number of um, uh, digital recovery projects or digital projects. They call them digital recovery projects, but it sounds like there's problems with the digital systems they've got. Apart from um, you know being old, they 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 work fine. It's just that they need enhancements, and so there's a pot of money that allows additional functionality to be added to certain systems. And the focus here is within um, urgent and emergency care um, to improve improve sort of the digital uh, functionality for clinicians um, to actually improve the, the patient flow and make their jobs more efficient and thereby releasing time and being less pressured for patients. Brilliant. Cheers, Alison. And Ali? Uh, this is Ali from Oxford Health NHS Foundation Trust. I am a software test lead over here and managing test team and software development team. We are working on um, electronic health records, uh, patient data, different clinical systems um, in the trust. We are a mental health trust and we've got a quite big geography which we have to um, provide the services. Yeah, that's all from me. Amazing, thank you. And last but not least, Yomi, go ahead. Thanks Kathleen for having me. Hello everyone, my name is Abayomi. I'm a Senior Informatics Project Manager with North Bristol NHS Trust. Um, what I do is I manage the cutover work stream. Uh, we're trying to move from Lorenzo to Careflow. So I manage the cutover bit just to ensure that our integration is or our, our, our movement from Lorenzo to Careflow is as smooth as possible. Um, it's um, very cross-functional, you know, having to do with, you know, just everyone across board 
you know, so um, day to day I engage all the stakeholders across across the trust. Um, it's a quite interesting role because all the other work streams feed into you know my work stream and then down to when we you know move down to to Careflow. So that's basically what I do at at Bristol at the moment. Amazing. Thanks everyone for the introductions. That's great. Um, all right. So moving on, you've all sent me some excellent questions. So I'm gonna head back to you, Farouk. If you could just please read out your question and then um, share a bit of insight as to what you were thinking when that question came to your mind. Go ahead. Yeah, so um, the question is, is the concept of digital transformation currently misconceived within the NHS? And what would be the key trigger to bring the actual concept to reality? Now, this, uh, th this question doesn't necessarily only apply to the NHS. I think it's applied worldwide within healthcare. Um, what I think is one of the key triggers was COVID. So having a pandemic um, brought up a, a drastic change to operating models, which was very, very traditional. We're talking about 50, 60 year old operating models. And um, the transition had to be extremely fast. And when you're put in a position like that, the NHS, obviously it's there's a lot of pressure on the NHS as it stands and that quadrupled the, the pressure. You have some trusts that had to borrow ventilators during the peak of the pandemics and um, some were donated, uh, you know, from, uh, from through charity. And, and um, so the, the, the concept here is why did it have to come to something like that? And these sort of disaster cover recovery measures should be in place, especially in the digital world. Um, if we're talking about 20, 30 years ago, that's a completely different situation, but everything is moving towards um, becoming digi digital, electronic. We're trying to push your um, the medical health, the medical record, and essentially holistically from every aspect of clinical workflows to make it completely digital. Now, if you are your your foundation is not as solid as it should be and is not rethought because bottom line is healthcare is a business as well it it should be run as a business um irrespective of um traditionally how it is perceived and i think that is one of the triggers that really got um the focus on digital transformation trusts are getting funding they're sort of moving away but that transition is um it should have started a while ago but it feels like throughout prior to covid anyways we've had um sort of you know you have a little bit of a bandage put on these you know key places and you know superficially digital but it's not really it's just um it's not digital transformation, it's more of dig digital augmentation, which are two completely separate uh, things. So if, if, say, for example, you have consent forms that are being signed manually, somebody decides to make, you know, scan it and, and, and attach it to the EMR, that's not digital transformation. You, you have to have a solution specifically catering for that, that avoids litigation, that avoids a number of things. And when you have that in place, then every loophole is closed. And that is an actual digital, digitally transformed, transformed workflow. And I think that um, experience in, uh, I mean, I've, I've worked in the Middle East for 10 years as well in healthcare. And 
going back and forth between the NHS and other healthcare organizations, you see a very rapid response. But I feel that it should not be reactive, it should be proactive. And I think that a lot of trusts are having these challenges. You have, um, you know, budgets coming in every financial year and they need to be allocated. But unfortunately, not everything comes to fruition. Um, and I think a better structure, a better well thought roadmap is, is very, very important and crucial, especially right now, given how the pandemic has impacted the NHS um, mm -hmm. and healthcare as a whole anyways. So this this question has been sort of going through my mind um, since COVID started. And so, you know, what is our current state? What should, in in the year in 2020, which you, which was then anyways, what should the NHS have looked like versus what it was and how we were sort of trying to cope with the pandemic? Because the clinicians are your best source of truth. They understand the um, the difficulties in their workflows and and patient care. Ultimately, it comes down to patient care, but at the same time, you are running a business, and how do you effectively run it? so that there is no implications or impact on your patient flow. So, I mean, we sort of go full circle with this entire conversation, but I think that it's a very important point to uh, for the NHS itself to start focusing on, and probably sooner than later, because we can't be in, in the position at all to have a, a, a reactive response. There has to be a lot of proactivity, especially in such a digital era. And we see it all over this, all over the globe, really. Um, and 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 you can see it all in the statistics of how, um, you know, sort of even you know pandemics such as this have been, um, have been catered for, have been managed. Amazing. Um, Liz, thanks for kicking us off there, uh, Farouk. Um, thanks for that, Alice. Nick, see you got your hand up, so I'll come to you. Thanks, Caitlin. I, I've been um, itching to to come in actually because. That's actually the question you've been posing is, is multiple questions and it's gone way outside of that digital agenda because what it actually comes down to is money. It's plain and simple. It's money. And and unfortunately, you know, you go back in the history of, of NHS and, and funding has always been um, directed towards um, the, the, the front line. It's, it's towards getting waiting times down, waiting list initiatives, commissioning extra capacity outside of the NHS, etc, etc. And actually, that's where the political imperative, that's the political um, requirements, that's where the performance requirements that have to be, um, you know, submitted month after month, right the way up to uh, at one time, actually, to the Cabinet Office. Um, and um, certainly, I know in my days in BNSSG many years ago, um, it, it actually, the, the waiting list for orthopaedics actually had to land on the Prime Minister's desk. Um, and uh, that was um, in Tony Blair's day. Um, and in Tony Blair's day, he put a lot of funding in to the NHS. And that was very much around the modernization agenda, not digital, but the modernization agenda in terms of waiting list management, capacity and demand management, patient flow, et cetera, et cetera. And, and a lot of money was put into a lot of initiatives and a, a lot of um, trying to increase capacity in one form or another, which also included outsourcing uh, uh, 
services that had, had, had high demand, be it orthopaedics in one health community um, or, or something else in another health community, <clears throat> um, but also, um, you know, things like diagnostics and so on, because that was recognised a bit further down the line that actually that was a big blocker. You know, it didn't matter what service, it was a big blocker. So, so that's where the, 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 um, the direction of travel was. That's where the funding went. That's where the priorities were. And actually, it wasn't helped because, you know, the media plays a big part, like all things. The media gets hold of it and patients are waiting more than 12 months, more than two years. And all political organisations just want to close down poor, you know, bad press. The other angle on this is that, you know, over a period of time, it's been very, very difficult to be able to demonstrate the benefits and the outcomes that um, justify the significant investment that technology requires. And you can do an awful lot of operations and see an awful lot more patients for 40 million pounds that it might cost for to put an EPR in, for example. And therefore, the justification has been incredibly difficult. And the IT in the digital, um, uh, the whole digital um, growth um, in, in terms of maturity is 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 been very slow. And I, I, I want to talk about maturity. I'm talking about maturity, not just in terms of um uh capability that the, the actual technical capability but also the the digital maturity of 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 a whole workforce not just in the nhs but across all businesses and all across all organizations and so it, there's been a catch-up but as there's been this sort of catch-up there's still never been even if there was all the money that was chucked at it which it was at COVID because it had to be that COVID accelerated digital acceleration, actually, and digital growth um, uh, by 10 years. In some I know certainly in the trust I was easily 10 years. Um, and and that actually leads me to, to, to another thing. So one is about the funding, one about justifying the benefits and the outcomes. How is this going to benefit patients? And there's never been that maturity around being able to really get to grips with that. Then there's the media uh, you know, agenda. Um, but but then you're looking at clinicians themselves and clinicians traditionally don't like to change they work, change the way they work. We've all experienced how difficult it is in the past to get clinicians to change the way, the way they work. With COVID, they had to. They had no choice because we were in a, a, an extreme emergency and everybody had to change. Literally, everybody had to change the way they worked. Um, it didn't matter if you if you if you drove a bus or you performed heart surgery. Suddenly, everybody was having to do different jobs. Everybody was having to cover other other roles. And and in in the digital uh, and from a sort of a clinical perspective, where digital came in, where there's been resistance. And I I remember you know, 15 more years and more ago the resistance to the idea of of, of using you know even such things as you know clinical records i mean it isn't that long since gp still used old lloyd george's paper notes you know i i can remember probably it's less than 10 years probably eight years ago my practice was still using paper notes you know uh, they're not there anymore but there's a surprise <laughs> maybe mm -hmm. and so i still think that um i think 
COVID has, has changed things in a lot of different ways. I think COVID um, has changed the view, um, perspective of a bigger population of clinical staff, um, whereas before it tended to be more focused on those that had an interest in it. Um, it's, it's, it's allowed um, by necessity clinical staff to see actually the benefits for them and therefore their ability to provide services to patients um, that that you know even video calls for example video calls they use them video but you know whatever way virtual calls virtual clinics and all sorts of things and and that has all happened as a consequence of covid the funding the attitudes the behaviors um, the systems now what I see in the current climate is that there is a willingness, and this isn't very well publicised, but I don't think it's publicised at all, um, of the additional funding that's now going in to digital transformation. Now, that's let's let's you know we can we can talk about that word, but it, let's call it digital developments, digital you know pushing pushing the whole digital agenda forward and driving that to actually focus itself on doing um, putting into place systems whose where it's the primary purpose is to support clinical people be it radiologists be it you know um, radiographers getting their referrals much more quickly or podiatrists getting their referrals more quickly or or um, you know um, preoperative care being being digitalized um, whatever it is, is that there is now a recognition and of all of the folks, and I'm not going to get political, there's no political agenda here. You know, Tony Blair invested in the modernization agenda. Digital, you know, the IT world wasn't advanced sufficiently at that time. Now the IT world, digital world is more advanced and we've seen how it can help. And there is a, a willingness um, and real money coming down from the centre to fund digital um, innovations, both in terms of medical interventions, being able to, you know, AI and this sort of stuff for, for, for surgery, um, um, as, as well as, you know, this sort of the routine patient records and patient flow, which, which an EPR um, uh, uh, electronic patient record provides so I think there is a willingness but there's a massive disparity in where that funding comes mm -hmm. from I'm in Cardiff and they're 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 like paupers actually we've um, sadly got to say cheerio to Farouk he's just got another commitment that's cropped up so Farouk thank you so much for for coming on today bye bye Farouk bye <laughs> sorry um yeah no Alison do you want it no, let 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 um let uh, Yomi and Ali. <laughs> I'll carry on all night otherwise. Yeah, it's one thing I love about um will you all, but every time I chat to Alison, we just have such a good like proper discussion. So yeah, well let's keep on moving. So um Ali, just I know Farouk's gone now, but he'll hear this anyway when he listens. Um, do you have any thoughts on on his question? Uh, no, I think he explained quite well, and I mm -hmm. I, I really like Alison's idea on on how the things change throughout yeah. the times and mm -hmm. how the I think new technology or the system pushing NHS to go more forward and how the NHS organization structure try to 
you know avoid these pushes and try to be on on stable on 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 its place. But uh, mm -hmm. I think there there will be definitely some changes and uh, definitely um, um, there will be lots of different kind of you know digitalization on mm -hmm. AI deep learning, which is going to affect the our healthcare um, in near future and. Uh, there is no power or no political things can stop that in any way. And this is going to happen and we need to be prepared for that, I think, mm -hmm. at the end. Yeah. No, definitely. <laughs> uh, brilliant. And what about yourself, Yami? Right, thanks. Um, I do think that that concept in itself is not misconceived, but like, you know, Alison rightly put it, you know, first question was asking, what's the trigger? What what will bring digital transformation to, to, to fruition? It's really about the money. If you go back in history, uh, well, I know we say that this is not political, but then money is flowing from the center, she said. So in terms of political will, it is there, you know, and money is coming in, but then how do you then evenly distribute, you know, in terms of your strategic plan to say that, you know, some trust or some other parts are not more digitally advanced or matured, than the other parts because the whole idea of transformation is if it's not uniform at the end of the day you cannot maximize the benefit of transformation so i think that's the real key thing is it evenly are we developing at the same pace you know different trust and then that also then speaks to the synergy you know and that's why it's very important trust must have synergy must be able to share ideas must be able to you know carry each other along learn from each other so that everybody develops at the same pace mm -hmm. those are my thoughts Brilliant. Yes. No. It's we've we've started off quite well. That was a pretty big um pretty big question to start us off. All right. So um let's move over to Alison. If you'd like to read your question for us, please, and then uh, give us a bit of insight as to what you were thinking. Okay. Um. How realistic is the aspiration of different NHS trusts in the same um ICS moving to the same systems? For example, whether it's a maternity system and wanting to have you know the co a, 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 the same system, um, albeit theatres or EPR, whatever it might be. How realistic is that aspiration? Um, and so where I'm coming from, this is that um, I've I've implemented um, maternity system, um, and uh, and I was at North Bristol um, and also Gloucester Hospitals Trust around EPR, um, and. There was a an aspiration um, or a willing, uh, 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 you know, at North Bristol uh, for, for North Bristol to implement a new maternity system end to end community right the way through to um, uh, postnatal. Um, and they wanted the, the idea was to collaborate with the other trust um, uh, in uh, the hospital trust in, in, Brist in Bristol. Now, this is a situation where. North Bristol had the funding, but University's Hospital, Bristol, didn't. Um, and that comes back to that funding question that we've just we've just talked about. Um, so one trust has managed to get the funding, the other one doesn't. Consequently, that other trust is saying, well, we kind of can make do with what we've got. So Immediately, you have a situation where some of the benefits that were identified in the business case for the trust that's seeking to procure a new system will be lost because the other trust that falls within that same integrated care system um, 
potentially, you know, they, they still may, but potentially, um, you know, won't have. And one of the benefits here of having the same systems um, is so that doctors that move across a health community, and, and I think there is a desire, particularly in, you know, large cities uh, where there's more than one hospital, uh, more than one hospital trust, uh, you know, to, to be able to have um, consultants working across that care system. Um, and equally, you get locums that work across trusts. Um, and, and you also get, you know, trainees, the same. So that's, that's my question, is actually how, how, given that hospital trusts are still have, have their own um, organisations, legal entities in their own right, with all of their own governance, their own funding, um, that they have to balance the books and not overspend and their own priorities, which will always be the priority for them. How, how on earth are we going to get this integrated care system working in a way that um, may be actually not the right way about having the same system everywhere? Um, and that's my question, because I, I don't... I don't feel, I think, whilst you retain independence of organisation, um, is that they're going to be making their own procurement decisions based on their, their own funding um, sources. Cheers for that, Alison. Well, let's let's take that around the room now. So, Yami, let's come to you. Right. Uh, thanks, Alison, for that. I think that that's very important and that deserves some, you know, some thought. I'm sure that, you know, NHS leaders probably would have thought about this before. However, my thought is that that may not happen um, in the immediate, but you know, as I was reading this this long-term, you know, strategic 10-year plan for the NHS. So each trust is independent, as it were. They can make their decisions regarding digital transformation. However, you know, advancement in technology these days, you know, cloud computing and all that will mean that. At the end of the day, even though if there, are, if I can use that word, disparate systems or different systems, then there could then be, you know, middleware systems that will make, you know, you know, connectivity or talking to other trust, whether the architecture is different or technology is different, to make it possible, so that at the end of the day, you're looking at one big NHS, right? You know, digitally transformed. But if you look down the line, more granularly. The technologies are different, architectures are different, but somewhere within that, the middleware systems able to connect all of these, you know, trust or different systems together, you know, in a way that, you know, they can still, it's still integrated. And that's the keyword, that that keyword integration. Can I, as uh, a North Bristol with all my, you know, different, you know, localized, you know, technology, am I able to also, you know, you know, talk to other trusts or synergize in terms of, so there will be middleware systems. You, you cannot avoid that. You cannot, except you're going to say that it's going to be a trade-off. You cannot, you can't tell trust to lose their independence. You know, as long as trust will retain their independence, there will be some form of middleware technology that will then make all of this, you know, possible, but it, it's a long, it's it's a long haul. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. It's, it's, it's a yeah. continuous thing. Eventually we need to fine tune and fine tune till we get there. That's it. Um, I'll come to you in a wee second, Alison. I'll just jump over to Ali here to see if you've got any any insights or any thoughts yourself. 
I think um, one of the things which when Alison uh, tried to explain her question is uh, come to on my mind is like I think technology is getting decentralization like there is no a center let's say government or central place which you can put things there and then coming to the down um, and this decentralization I think need to be uh, on the agenda of different government governmental level let's say and that's why it's really going to affect the loss of different traditional organization in terms of this digital improvement um, let's say for cryptocurrency for example um, and there is no banks you can do everything's on the online and probably healthcare sector is getting there as well there will be more international um, online healthcare providers which probably going to provide lots of um, most of the junk of the work which we are currently doing in in physical world um, even with the this metaverse things on Facebook and this is going to be I think there in a couple of years probably it's not too far and this decentralization effect all these um, organizational theories in NHS or all these economical theories as well because at the end this is coming from the economical or financial theories which is um, the, the 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 big boss get the money and then wherever he give the money they get some improvement wherever not get less uh, not much money they're not going to improve basically and i think allison it's a really good point to to point out that this is like especially in any state organization let's say this is quite um an expected result to, to see that that kind of way uh, but the new approach on technology and change in technology, especially with AI and um, um, all other kind of um, things currently we are having with virtual reality or argumental reality and stuff like that, it's going to be probably decentralized and then we're not going to depend on the more higher organization or states. It's going to be more international and more um, involved, let's say, more uh, integrated um yeah this is my point i think sorry cheers no thanks like, thanks ali <laughs> <laughs> no i love that cheers um alison i can see you got your hand up so come back to you yeah uh, yeah thanks yeah thanks um yummy and ali I, i've got a I, i've jotted down a couple of things i thought uh, this middleware that you're talking about um uh uh yummy you're talking about interoperability interoperability i totally agree but it isn't the same thing um, so if I t if you take maternity, because I could, I know about that. Um, so with the maternity is that it's very different to an EPR because it's very whereas an EPR kind of goes across here, um, and there's only sort of it's in terms of the the depth of data that's collected and the and, and sort of the fields. It's it it's what as a non-technical person I describe it as it's not very deep you know it's it's not a lot of data, but it it runs across a lot of services, um, and but with maternity it's a service but it's got very distinct parts to it from GPs to midwives and you know and and obstetricians and so on, but actually the data is deep it's complex it goes that way, um, and it's it's very much up to um, um, uh, individual hospitals and individual trusts how they it comes down to local you've got national policies national standards but then you've got your local policies and your local standards and so that's where the complexity comes in 
if you don't have those shared local standards, then then that's you know, and actually maybe actually maybe I, I'm talking my way around this, and that actually you don't need to have the same system. You just need to have the same local standards so that you can can actually you know record data in the same way. That the, the challenge is is that if all systems that as in this maternity situation, if they don't have the ability to to um, uh, enable the same range of um, local um, policies, for example, or it's a more simplistic system, that's where you can run into a, an issue. The other the other issue, I, I, and I, 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 I'm not, I thought about and I jotted down was cloud. More and more things are going in the cloud. So, you know, there is, you know, there is less need to have boxes, um, you know, in, in, in a big room where, where everything is, is being, being, being looked after at a local level. And I think that does enable um, the transmission of, of data and records and the access of them, wherever it is that you're going to be. That, I think that does simplify things. But ultimately, um, and I think um, you talk about decentralization. Actually, in a way, I'm thinking, actually, I can see the NHS going back 360 from when I very first started 100 years ago in the NHS. Um, and it was it, it was called health authorities and uh, a health authority. Um, they they had responsibility for hospital in their in their local area. Uh, for all the hospitals, all the community services, all the mental health services, um, um, primary care they didn't. That was looked after by um, what, what they called um, family practitioner committees. So GP services, or at least the payment services, were looked after elsewhere. But but all your sort of mental, all your other services that you would normally attribute uh, to the NHS, um, and that aren't contractor services such as GPs and dentists and so on were all under um, the responsibility and the governance of a single organization and i see almost an ics going that way so i've seen the dismantling of the nhs and i've seen it in so many you know different you know this organization is going to join them with that one and you've got a merger and we'll give it a different name and then you get you know, um, PCTs and they PCTs merge, then it's CCGs and they then merge. I actually think an integrated care service is almost going down the route of what was all those years ago, a health authority. The key difference here is that there is a recognition that social care um, and the need for social care is greater now than it was then um, is 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 a key component of that. And I think also that also that over the years, there's a, a maturity of thinking clearly, because nothing ever stays the same of, of you know, um, uh, how, how, I mean, again, if you think about it in terms of GPs and primary care, you know, years ago, a nurse wasn't allowed to, 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 to give injections or, or, or do smear tests or a whole host of things. That was a GP's job. Um, and and so um, equally, a GP has the has has opportunity to to broaden their skill set, 
um, and you know, and they do minor surgery and they can do endoscopies and, and whatever else with, with some training. And I think that's where the, the, the difference is. I think that's the I think an ICS is if if this um, um, direction of travel continues, I see the ICS almost becoming a, a very modern version of what a health authority used to be. And in all honesty, I don't think it's going to work unless it does. Because you still come down to this funding pot. And then the only way, if you don't have that model that it was back in the day, many years ago, if then then it has to be the ICS that's responsible for how a ICS-wide funding pot is allocated. And that would then drive decision-making at that health community level, regardless of what that those decisions, they would make the decision, and then and then it would, um, you know, these things that we talk about about commonality of systems and being able to use your workforce um, in an agile way across, you know, any any site, uh, and 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 all of these discussions come back to money and managing that pot of money. And, 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 you know, and that's the reality of it, isn't it? You know? Yeah. Thanks for that, Alison. Your question has sparked, sparked a lot there. Before I move on, does any of the, the lads want to jump in with anything? No? All right. Thank well, you, thanks thank again. For, thanks again for that question, um, Alison. So, all right. Over to Ali for your question, please. Uh, my question is how artificial intelligence and machine learning will shape NHS future? and how that's going to affect digitalization of the NHS and um, stuff like that. I think it's quite good fit with Alison's thought on how the socio-economical model shape our NHS organizational structure. Um, um, basically, um, AI or artificial intelligence is try to mimic the human behaviors or uh, human learning um, models, let's say with the deep learning, and we've got machine learning. You you got you learn machine learning got some models which can predict or um, analyze or um, give some kind of analytic to us to understand uh, some of the patient data or wherever we use uh, that in in more broader broader level. I think. Um, um, as an as an NHS as an as an organization, it's a one of the big data collector, let's say, because mm -hmm. we are getting data from patient lots of sorts of uh, areas, and um, there are lots of different companies, analytic companies on the market, using different kind of data, try to produce this data to to predict some um, illnesses, diseases, and sometimes they are really. Um, um, uh, um, like in cancer research, for example, um, there are really good um, AI algorithm which can predict cancer uh, risk on on different kinds of cancers. And there are lots of other like image analysis or computer vision, or um, if you think on the product level, let's say, for example, there are lots of other uh, kind of patient monitoring devices and stuff like that use AI uh, on the system on in NHS currently. But um, as an organization, I think we are quite not ready yet to um, to you know use full end-to-end -end, um, AI models 
in in the in the organization for um i think there are for lots of reason which allison's mentioned and Farouk mentioned as well before um the, the main thing i think um um in in ai world let's say uh, when you got the data you got the power which means that we've got the patient data uh, and we've got the consent uh, from patient and it would be really good to um could to use this this data uh for for some good reason to to get decision support for for healthcare professionals or um some analytics for organization management level for the uh, organization and um try to try to predict um about uh, you know diseases illnesses whatever in terms of like uh, um clinical practice let's say and try to predict um some financial income and outcomes which uh, I think uh, what what would be good is uh, just try to mention the financial part uh, much in the bold on the news and uh, people mm -hmm. gonna get more excited on it rather than oh we find a cancer curve with AI and whatever no one gonna probably interest in that but um, that might be change uh, organization culture in terms of you know um, if we can prove that, look, um, AI or deep learning or machine learning, reinforcement learning or um, nature learning process or whatever um, are really help us to, uh, you know, calculate and predict our financial outcomes and calculate and predict some of the, um, you know, disease or pre uh, um, and try to um, uh, what 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 would be really good to to get that I think uh, using um, some of the data which we already get and try to uh, try to give that data to the public again and try to you know um, 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 try to develop and um, create new models uh, with the AI and help healthcare professionals help admin staff who are working in NHS and 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 made it more digitalized let's say. But uh, in terms of our organizational structure, I think, and uh, the money which we've got from different kinds of channels and this complicated national level uh, NHS, um, you know, um, financial structure, let's say, uh, sometimes made this improvement quite um, lower than the market. You know, if let's say if NHS would be a kind of private company, uh, probably um the change would be more quicker than a big organization for for uh, expected reason uh, but i think the the most important thing on here is um as nhs we've got the data which means that we've got the power and then if we got the power we can change something in the organization in in either on uh, lower level or higher level national wide and try to use some of the technologies and uh, try to predict some of the diseases illnesses before patient admit to the hospital or try to um, to, to give uh, improve patient life quality to, to, to give them some you know logical algorithm and stuff like that uh, would be really helpful in, mm -hmm. in, in any case and uh, maybe try to open this um, AI uh, algorithm models to the public when people visit your website maybe try to give some kind of access to patient to to control and manage their own data and then maybe uh, use some algorithm and give some tips to the patient uh, you know this 
I don't know, this month or this year, you need to be careful with your weight or you need to, you know, have kind of healthy eat, whatever, yeah. uh, very personalized level, very, you know, uh, individual level, let's say. Uh, but all, all, all this is uh, uh, probably going to happen in a couple of years um, because um, um, we cannot stop the technology to, to grow because it's, it's already on, on there. Uh, already we, we are using lots of different clinical system who uh, which they've got lots of algorithms on the background for decision support for the clinician or for you know management level to support managing your your um, organization i think um, that's why it's quite important to uh, to to get that te that technology you know train your stuff and then to to implement all these changes uh, as an as an organizational level, and um, try to uh, try to be like more modernized. Let's say mm -hmm. um, these these are my thoughts. I think regarding to these topics. If you guys got any other question or thoughts, would love <laughs> to early. have some discussion on that. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much. That was a brilliant, brilliant question. Um, all right, Yomi or Allison, who wants to jump in here? Ooh, I'll let Yomi go oh. first. Yummy, all right, yummy, you've been nominated. <coughs> yeah. Okay, so uh, interestingly, in, in, in the last week, you know, in my trust, we just had um, uh, like a seminar in, in our audio, our weekly audio about, you know, AI, you know, how we can enhance patient experience. And again, you know, it, it's so funny that one central theme that, you know, Alison mentioned, it's very recurrent in, in this session. So there's a lot of uh, financial commitment when it comes to AI, researching into AI, you know, and all of those things. So it would take, first of all, it would take a lot of, broadly speaking, if you're going to have digital transformation successfully, you must also be comfortable with failure. What do I mean by that? It means that you're constantly trying to fine-tune your systems, you get it right sometimes, you don't get it right sometimes. And when it comes to research, especially into the area of artificial intelligence, there's a lot of funding that needs to go into that. That's my thought. Now, the question is, at the national level or at the trust level, how comfortable are we to say that, you know, this money for this particular research, even two, three years, we don't get the right results we want. What what would be our disposition? Are we going to say, oh, we're just going to junk that? Or are we willing to continue to pump in money, knowing that research takes a lot of money, and then you're never sure at the beginning what the result will be, you can only try. So again, funding, which unfortunately, like the central theme, <laughs> we really play a key part. You know, it, it's amazing how what artificial intelligence, now you can be in India or in the Middle East and a robot can perform from England here, you know, can direct you now to perform, you know, minor, even up to major, major procedures. It's, it's fantastic, however, the funding, the, the 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 socioeconomic willpower, you know, from the government, from the trust. Are we willing to? Do we have the grit to do the funding and you know make this come to fruition? That that's that's also something very key. You know, it's it's not you can't dispute it. Yeah, it's it's the way to go. Whether just like the cloud, just like cloud computing, whether you like you know not even small businesses in the next five ten years, everybody will probably be on cloud. Yeah. In the next decade, too, everybody will be leveraging on AI. But are we ready to put the funding? You know, the private sector, they are more comfortable with, and, and again, remember that this is also taxpayers' money. So there's some form of politics to this as well, you know. Um, 
are we ready to say, oh, this is taxpayers' money? Um, am I ready to put it in funding continuously for how long until I get my results? So those are, you know, all the other areas that, you know, will determine how much you can leverage on AI, you know, in NHS. Maybe Cheers. we need first a kind of, um, like AI on finance for NHS, try to calculate <laughs> an algorithm to find right fundings for right. Great, <laughs> right great. Yeah, you can get on that, Ali. We'll leave that one to you. Yeah, we'll leave it as the expert. We'll leave that to you. That's you. <laughs> Alison, yeah, how, yeah, how are you feeling? Yeah, the funds, right? Yeah, across all of everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not my area, I have to say, but um, I think I, what I would say is that I do know that. Um, that at a national level, uh, there are, um, I can't think of the actual um, name of the organisations, but they are sort of academic health research um, organisations. Um, mostly they are based at large hospitals. So there's one at um, the Queen Elizabeth Hospital. And they, they have uh, and are receiving large pots of money and um, and it's for all sorts of um, health re related research of which a significant part is digital and of that is AI um, and they are partnering with um, the private sector a lot of private sector organizations uh, even small ones because if that's their field and, and AI, AI is you know in that whole digital growth that we've been talking about over the years AI is really at the pinnacle of, of the forefront isn't it going forward so very early days and and so you know they're partnering with both universities and with with innovative organizations um uh, big and small that are researching um into this um and there is funding currently available a large amounts uh, funding for projects and research projects and using nh organizations to you know to do little pilots and so on <laughs> Problem with the NHS is that it's, um, you know, it is a, a public uh, sector organisation. And as soon as you get a change of government, priorities change. And actually, it's not really just a change of government. It's, it, 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 it's, it's also a change of leader. So if, you know, if, if as may happen, um, Boris is out and you get somebody else in and they wish to. And, and for them, they don't quite see how how these things are important and how they they will help the nhs in the longer term they don't have that recognition that we've got to embrace technology because we haven't it's the only way we're going to be able to carry on providing services in a, a you know in a never ever expanding nhs and 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 that's the so, sorry and sad tale of it um you know and 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 it does I mean, it does come down to it being able to prove that AI, which is where these research projects, because they are properly done, and if you have these pilots, you can actually test, you know, benefits and outcomes and, and so on, because they're being properly controlled. Um, and I think is is absolutely the right place to go, the right direction of travel. Um, and, uh, and you know, I, I, when I was at Worcester, they they just started to talk about AI and 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 how how they could use AI to sort of solve some um, uh, in, interface, it, sort of transferring legacy data and, and holding it and 
creating a, a sort of a solution between the two. So it was it's basically legacy data. We had to pay the original organization to hang on to that legacy data. And um, we didn't have the code to be able to store it locally on our, our local thing. Um, and there was consideration about using AI to do this, but it was thought well, it was too early a day to be able to, to, to go down that route. So I think there's also a big training um, uh, opportunity and requirement here for for people within the NHS and those that are technical and those that do BI within the, that digital um, uh, um, area to you know be given the opportunity to have that training otherwise we'll have we'll know these things work we'll know that there is benefits to it but actually we won't have the resource pool within the NHS to be able to do it um, and that a will hold it back because a it'll hold it back because it'll be expensive outsourcing that requirement and I think that's kind of where I am on it. Brilliant. Cheers, Alison. And Ali, thank you very much for, for bringing that question as well. Is there anybody else has anything to add on to Ali's question? No? All good. All right. Well, lastly, but definitely not least, Yomi, if you would like to read your question out, please. Hi, thanks, Jacqueline. Uh, my question goes thus. Is there a clear-cut post-digital transformation strategy in the NHS? For example, continuous innovation or continuous improvement? And what is the role of NHSD in this? Um, my thought around this question is, you know, um, will digital transformation just be, I, it's not a buzzword, you know, at the moment, but what happens after? Is there a plan after, yes, we've achieved or want to achieve as, as NHS, right? Is there a plan to continuously improve on that? You know, uh, during our previous discussion, um, you know, I think Ali mentioned, you know, data, how we can use data. Now, how do we bring in, you know, maybe NHSD, NHS, X, and all of the other parties involved to say that after digital transformation, what happens next? Maybe every two years, are we reviewing our strategy to make sure that, you know, wait a minute, NHS is transformed, but two years after transformation, we are still lagging behind compared to the rest of the world in terms of innovation, in terms of enhancement. You know, so that, that's my thought. And, and, and it's very important not just to, you know, focus too much, as important as digital transformation is. You know, earlier we mentioned that, you know, sometimes in the process of transforming digitally, what are you basically doing is you're augmenting, you're improving. Let's not lose focus of how important, you know, the continuous improvement to, you know, is, especially when we know that we're not, all being transformed at the same pace. So if some trusts are more matured now in terms of their digital transformation journey, those ones that are not yet at par, you know, what will bring them to par would then be the continuous innovation. And, you know, but if there is no clear-cut strategy now, we just go like, oh yes, now we've achieved transformation. We cannot fold back our hands, take a break. And then two years down the line, there's so much work to do again because there's a gap already. You know, the world is constantly evolving, you know, healthcare, other other parts, you know, because of technology, cloud technology. So that's my thought around it. What's the what's do we have a clear cut strategy from our NHS long term ten year plan for transformation to continuously improve on exactly what you know we have? I know that locally, you know, in trust, there is of course the strategic vision, the five year plan, maybe the ten year plan, perhaps. But then, do we have a focused strategy to say this is what we're going to do 
to improve on that that we have done in terms of digital transformation. That that's my thought around around that question. Cheers, Yomi. Um, brilliant stuff. Okay, Alison, Ali, I see a few head nods there for the listeners listening in. Who wants to go? Who wants to jump in? I'll come. Alison, I'll come to you, you Ali. First. <laughs> oh, Alison, do you want to go first? Ladies first. You're on mute, Alison. Sorry, apologies. You're on mute. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was um, I was thinking uh, there, there is, there is a, a digital mature, there is a digital maturity roadmap. Um, you, 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 are probably familiar with it, and it goes up to level seven. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I'm just trying. I was just trying to Google it because I can't remember. It's I, I H. I should know what it is because I was only looking at it last week. Um. But there, there, there is one, and, and all all um, NHS organisations have had as part of their NHS as part of their digital strategies, they've had to sort of identify where they are on this levels one to seven, and then they've had to be able to uh, they've had to uh, in their strategy show how they're going to move up through those levels. So it's not um, it's not linear. You know, you can you can. You can achieve some aspects that that uh, would some aspects, not all, that would qualify you to be on level three. Um, but you you haven't at that time still managed to uh, fulfil all level one's requirements. Um, and it's a bit like sort of project management, you know, maturity um, uh, levels. Uh, 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 so it's a similar thing. So I, th I think there is a roadmap in terms of uh, a common roadmap, which all NHS trust organisations are having to work to in order that everybody kind of achieves and reaches the same um, or broadly achieves the, the same level of, of, of maturity um, across all aspects of, of, of digital. Um, and I think that will help because that will be from from something as simple as getting the infrastructure and, and everything, you know, interoper interoperability through to, you know, as being core to everything, uh, through to, you know, making sure that the latest cloud um, technologies are used, through to making sure that staff and its, its, its employees are properly equipped um, and properly trained. So I think that will help um, a lot. Um, um, but I think in terms of I don't think I don't think the thing about transformation is, is it takes many years, even in one organization, even if you take just one organization and it's a big organization, it, you know, transformation, people, processes, technology, culture, um, yeah, all of those things, um, behaviors, all of those things require are part of transformation that's what is transformation um and you, if we think about the capability of of um most clinical people in terms of how to use the basics of a computer we know that they're really almost at ground zero and 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 you know and and you know and I, again i can quote um for a fact that community midwives tend to be you know, almost at ground zero because of uh, they've never had to use them. They're so used to using paper, and uh, and and normally the, the the sort of the route they take uh, is that you know they 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 start off as midwives in hospitals and end up you know d 
doing in community because it's easier and they're thereby de facto they're older as as a, a generalization um so and, and the same plays out you know your older members of your workforce that um have patient facing services tend tend generally to have you know less technical capability to even do the basics on computers and so when we're talking about moving up through these levels and digital transformation you've got your digital experts and then you've got your users but we've got to get your users to a level of being expert users mm -hmm. <laughs> in order to be able to, to to really really move forward so i think it i think for transformation transformation suggests um you know it, it, it that in a low that you know transformation even even with all the money in the world i think you're looking at a minimum of five seven years ten years probably because there is so many years worth of neglect and underfunding um that without vast amounts of money yeah, I hate to say it, with vast amounts of money, you know, it's not going to happen. I mean, I sound really pessimistic, but it could take longer. But I do think that 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 digital roadmap of of um, where where all NHS organisations have to be able to demonstrate how they're going to achieve their journey through that. And I think is a very good thing. What I do feel it would be needed would be to. Um, ensure that that was something that wasn't lost so whatever else happens in the nhs whatever government comes in that nhs boards and and senior decision makers in an in in the nhs recognize that unless they nurture and and, and allow that journey to continue where you know all the benefits of covid and 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 there have been a lot of benefits from covid um will, will, will be lost but i don't think they will i don't think they will but i think it might be a bumpy ride mm -hmm. cheers thanks for that alison um all right we're coming to the end shortly here ali i'll come to you um to get your your insight on yomi's question i think it's a really good question uh yomi and um i think the keyword is here is just change and change in a big organization is really hard and takes some time. And uh, as we know that um, organizations are living or organism and in a living organism change takes some time. In human baby it takes one one year to two years to, to go and walk and for a butterfly it take one day. Uh, but technology is growing very fast and as a big organization, I think one of the biggest in the world, maybe to uh, with 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 the budget, if you if you think on financially, on on a financial theory, um, uh, and um, it's it's quite quite hard for uh, for a in in a very national level for a big organization to change in in a couple of years. It's it's it's, it's really hard. As, as I understand that, but on the other hand, technology is growing very, very fast and um, somehow any kind of big organization like NHS need to to put that growing and change on their digital agenda uh, to change organization uh, with with same amount of the speed, let's say, because currently we've got like 
let's say we, we've got a, a bike and then technology using a Ferrari and with the bike you can't catch the Ferrari it's quite mm -hmm. hard to, to catch that yeah this is my final thought <laughs> cheers um thanks Ali Yomi that was your question there's anything else that comes to your mind from hearing the other speak or anything yeah I think I think they've, they've done justice so they've been able to answer some of my thoughts they've been able to put share some light on some of my thoughts so thanks thanks everyone Cheers. Um, well, listen, folks, um, thank you much for the last hour. Um, I've really felt grateful to be able to sit and listen to you all talk about your experiences and your thoughts. Um, not only have you all had a conversation today, which can be published for others to listen to, um, but from a personal perspective, um, you've actually all taught me a lot. So I just want to say thank you for educating me. Um, I hope you all walk away with some new connections today as well and some new ideas to um, take on your own journeys moving forward. And I wish you all the best in changing the world because you guys are just everything what you guys do every day is just incredible and um something to really be a pro something to really be proud of you know so thanks so much for um coming on and i really hope to have you guys on another uh, topic soon all right i've really enjoyed it i've really enjoyed uh, listening to the thoughts of uh yomi and ali and um um uh, farouk as well it's been really good thank you guys <laughs>